0: I'm an assistant pastor here, um, I'm married to the amazing Alison who gave a communion message. If you see Alison later, tell her she's amazing because she is. Um, anyway, I was, uh, I was driving to work the other day and, and uh, I, I dropped the kids off here at school, they go to school here and then I was driving to town and as I dropped them off, my fuel light came on. Don't you hate that? I was running late for work, not here, but at my other job, and uh, my fuel light came on. So I pulled into the survey, and I filled up, and I got mugged, and I was very shaken up and uh, upset, and I called the police, and I waited, and they turned up, and they said, can you give us a description of the mugger? I said, yes, it was pump number nine. Yes, I like that one. I stole that one from Bill Johnson. He, he starts his sermons with a joke and I thought that's a good one. Very relevant today, isn't it? I did fill up and I did get mugged at the pump, I must say. Um, no Macca's meal this week. Um, but anyway, um, no, and so a, a few weeks ago, I was, I was driving to work and, and when I drive to work, I listen to uh, sermon podcasts. It's a really great time that I have accessible to me after I drop the kids off at school. I've got a 15, 20-minute drive to work and so I have a podcast on and I'm just listening to amazing word from around the place. And I was listening to a particular message and and the person was sharing a story about how someone um, that they knew, a family member or something, was was, uh, in hospital. They had a fairly significant... Uh, medical issue going on that just just sprung up, and so they were in hospital. And so so um, the guy who was who was sharing the message and his wife and a group of others from the church um, went to the hospital and gathered together to pray. And and in passing, he he mentioned how his wife had prayed a prayer, a prayer that was, Lord, what are we doing here? That was it. And as I heard that prayer, I, I stopped, I actually physically stopped the podcast and I thought, wow, what an incredible prayer to pray. It was simple yet profound. And it made me stop and think, and, it, and, it, and it's this prayer, if you think about it, that, that simply asks God for direction, doesn't it? But it's not only saying, God, what are you doing here? But it's, God, what are we doing here? It's acknowledging that, that God is active and that He is doing something through every single situation. But that is something that He invites us into, to, to work together in that space. God and them together working for His glory and for His purpose in that situation. And so, you know, I, I heard this prayer and, and suddenly I started thinking over and over and over about that. And, and the fact that God invites us into this place of partnership in His work and that He is active and He is doing stuff and, and He is inviting us to be involved in that. And it reminded me that, that God is uh, wanting to be involved in every aspect of our lives and to be active and doing kingdom work. And He's, he's working in us and through us in every situation, in our, in our home environment, in our family environment, in our work environment, in our social activities, as we're driving to work and filling up the car and of course most importantly when we gather together in the church and in our connect groups, God is at work. And so I found myself in this moment really challenged by this really simple prayer and and found myself praying as I was driving into work and then again as I was coming home, that same prayer, God what are we doing here? And in that, it turned my thoughts to inviting God into and and He inviting me into partnership to be working on the things like my family. God, what are are you inviting me into in the space of my family and the different situations that we're facing? You know, my workplace, what, what are you inviting me into in the different situations that I find myself in at work? What are we, the cornerstone, what are we as a church community doing? God, what are you inviting us into in partnership with what you are doing. Again, praying, God, what are we doing here? What are we doing for your glory and for your purpose? What are we we doing here, right now, in this moment? What are you inviting us into? And as I I drove along, and I, I sort of... Yes, I was repeating that prayer over and over and over, but it was so simple. There was no, you know, sometimes you get into prayer and you're like, I don't know what I'm praying and I make it overly complex and it doesn't need to be that. And I was praying that and and clear as clear a response came back for all of those areas which was don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. And that's the focus for today's message, don't be distracted. And so as I stand here and as I bring you this message, to be completely honest, I'm actually preaching to myself this morning. This is something that I need and needed to hear and it's something that I'm working on and you say you just get to listen into my rambling thoughts and hopefully in the process I don't get distracted. But if you happen to get challenged in this, then don't blame me, that's the Holy Spirit at work in you. Because God is active and He's at work and, and if there is a stirring in you, then don't ignore it, take notice and don't be distracted yourself. Now, I think if we think about distraction, it's, it's also good to remember that there is, there is good distraction and there is bad distraction. And I think it's really important that we clarify that at the start. You know, good distraction is those things that draw our attention to God, that draw our attention to the things that He is doing. And then there is the the bad distraction, which are the things that draw our attention away from Him. And that's the distraction that I'm talking about. It's that bad distraction that, that draws our attention away from God and the work that He is doing. You know, and we can all acknowledge that distraction is everywhere, isn't it? You know, the the world we live in is full of distraction, of all the things that we should be doing, or the possessions that we should have to make ourselves look popular or, you know, the, the Facebook feed that's constantly changing, the news feed that is constantly changing. But distraction is not a new thing. It's not just a, a modern-day problem and, you know, over the na- last number of weeks, Neil has, has shared with us some awesome messages, hey? You know, and, and we've seen in that, if we think about it, the impact of what bad distraction does in the passages that we've looked at. You know, we, we did a study of Malachi and we saw how the people of Israel were distracted and they, and they became people that were just going through the motions when they would come to the temple, they were bringing sacrifices that didn't honour and glorify God because they were distracted, they were distracted by obligation. They knew the rules and they were just towing the line, they were just going through the motions rather than bringing true and honouring God sacrifice. And then again last week, Neil shared with us and, and we read the story of how the, how the Israelites are out in the wilderness after they've escaped from Egypt and, and Moses has gone up onto the mountain to meet with God and the people are left behind and in that, they get distracted. They get distracted away from what God was doing and, and, and what He had just done. And that resulted in them getting all their gold and throwing it into a fire and miraculously... A golden calf comes out, which they decide to worship instead of God. They were distracted away from God. You know, even Jesus faced distraction. He faced it himself. And so I want to just spend a little bit of time. We're just going to look at at one story today in the ministry of Jesus, which is found in Luke 6. And I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, to get it out and to have it open. So it's going to be on the screen for a bit, but then you can continue to refer to it as we go. So it's found in Luke 6 and it's verses 6 to 11 and it says this, it says, on another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And so he said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward and then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Now here we, here we find Jesus in the synagogue, in the church, teaching the people that were gathered there. We find the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes are gathered together and, and even though this account takes place early on in, in Jesus' ministry, the leadership of the Jewish people, that is the Pharisees and scribes, were already feeling threatened by what was going on. Word was getting around about this Jesus... And they were concerned about what he was doing and how it was going to impact their authority and their power and their leadership. And so as we have just read, they were planning to get rid of him. They're trying to find a way to get him in trouble, to get him out of the way, to ensure that their position, that their standing was not in danger. And so we see that the Pharisees have effectively arranged for this man with a deformed hand to come purely for the purposes of accusing Jesus of breaking God's law, to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. They knew that that Jesus was known for healing, so I think they intentionally set him up to break God's law. You know, Jesus knew their thoughts, we've read that, it says that He knew their thoughts and He knew what was going on and in that moment, Jesus could have easily been distracted Himself because He knew their thoughts, He knew exactly what they were thinking and what they were planning and so He could have allowed their thoughts to change His plans. Jesus could have thought to Himself, I'm, you know, I'm only just getting started in my ministry and, and I really don't want to get people offside just yet. You know, I know that's going to come down the track, I know what I'm here for but, but I, I don't want to offend people and and so I'm, you know, I'm just going to actually ignore that guy that I can see that needs healing sitting there. Maybe, maybe I'll come and find him a bit later on and I'll, I'll just do that in private and I'll just leave it alone for now because, you know, because I don't, I don't want to make a scene and I don't want to be seen to be breaking God's law. You know, Je- Jesus could have done that but Instead, he calls the man out and he brings him to the front. And he brings him out so that everyone that is gathered there can see what happens next. And then Jesus, he challenges the attitudes of those who are being critical of him. And then he heals him. Reach out your hand. And then what happens next, the Pharisees and the scribes, it then says his critics and then it says his enemies. It's amazing how quickly that relationship changes, isn't it? To start the story, the Pharisees and the scribes were there and then it talks about them as his, as his critics. And then right at the end, it says that Jesus' enemies are filled with rage. and begin trying to work out what they're going to do next to get rid of him. So we see that the the Pharisees and the scribes, they are so distracted in their desire to remove Jesus and the threat that he was to their power, that they had come to the synagogue, they'd come to the church fully fixated on framing Jesus. That's not why... They would come to the synagogue usually. It would be come to to give honor and glory and respect to their God, to our God. They weren't coming into that place of worship to honor and glorify Him. They were coming to disrupt. Not even to disrupt, they were coming to destroy this Jesus that they'd heard about and to restore themselves into their place of power, into their place of authority, into their place of comfort. Because things were changing from the way that they had always done them. Again, Jesus knowing the thoughts of the Pharisees, he could have been distracted by what could have taken place but he ignored that distraction and he pressed into what God had in store. And then I wonder about the man with the deformed hand, you know, I wonder how he was feeling in all of this. You know, as, a, as a person with a, with a deformity, with a disability, he was forbidden by Jewish law from entering into the temple and so I suspect that because of that law, that going into the synagogue, a similar place to the temple but not exactly the same, a place of gathering and worship, would have also been a place that was not a welcoming situation for him to be in. And yet here, this man was in the midst of their gathering, possibly forced by the leadership to go in there where he was, in most likelihood, not welcome. And he was there purely for the purposes of the Pharisees to frame Jesus. And so, if he was not particularly welcome in that space, you can imagine that his presence there would be a distraction. Perhaps even other people that were gathered there were distracted by his presence in the room. And so Jesus calls it out. He calls out the distraction and he calls to him and he gets him to stand in front of him for all to see to deal with that distraction right there. And Jesus heals him. The man's hand which was only moments ago before deformed is fully restored and made whole. What an incredible miracle to witness. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we don't know what the man's response was in that moment. There's no, there's no mention of it in this story. But I'm sure we can imagine, can't we? You know, a deformity that he's had is, has probably been there all of his life. It would have impacted everything that he could do. He probably didn't have a job. He probably couldn't work, he he probably gathered with others with similar life-impacting situations and, and found himself begging for money and begging for food because that's all he could do in the society that he lived in. And suddenly he finds himself restored, that he is healed, that the world that has been unaccessible is suddenly accessible. Put yourself in that situation, how would you feel? Elation, celebration, probably jumping and shouting, laughing, crying, worship of this amazing God who has just healed him. Incredible but instead of that, what we read about is the response of the Pharisees and scribes, the critics, the enemies of Jesus are filled with rage. Filled with rage. How dare this man bring healing and wholeness? They were so consumed and distracted by their pursuit to remove Jesus that they missed the incredible miracle of God's healing power right in front of them. Don't get distracted, don't miss what God is doing right in front of your face. You know, as I mentioned before, there is good distraction and there is bad distraction. The Pharisees and scribes obviously were distracted in a bad way. They were driven and directed by selfish motives to remove this man who was coming to take away their power and their authority. And then there was Jesus who was was not distracted by self. And the impact of what was to come if he acted but he was distracted by the love and the power and the healing that God has for each one of us. To bring about healing and restoration and wholeness and fullness of life. To open up a whole new world, a whole new life of possibility for not only this man but also for us. And at the same time, showing those that are gathered there together, if they were paying attention and not distracted themselves, to the same glory and power and love that God had for them. You know, I wonder for us, when we come into a situation and we are distracted, doesn't just impact us. Can impact others around us. Don't be distracted. And so just like those in the passage that we were looking at that, that were distracted, they were distracted because they were focused on the wrong thing. And I think we need to ensure that we don't fix our eyes on the wrong thing ourselves. That we don't be selfish. That we don't be self-seeking, that we don't be fixated on on worldly outcomes and views and perspectives. But rather that we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on the incredible Creator God. And we pay attention to what God is doing. And so there's a question around how, how do we do that? Because I'm speaking to myself, I get distracted all the time. I think there's a challenge in that for us to be intentional, to make commitment, to come and to gather together, to come to church on Sunday, to read His Word, to pray. Doesn't need to be anything fancy, can even be God, what are we doing here? Be intentional with what we're doing, ensuring that God remains our focus, keeping our eyes fixed on Him. You know, Proverbs 4, 25 to 27, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Look straight ahead, fix your eyes on God, He is right before you. Intentionally remind yourself to be keeping God in your view. Again, keeping your eyes on Him through, through regular prayer. Be connected in, share with other people. Remind each other about who God is. Again, pray. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 17, it says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And again maybe maybe you don't know how to pray or you don't feel like you've got the words. You know, sometimes I feel like that. I feel like I have to be flowery and use all these big words and sound really professional. But that's not the case at all because God knows our hearts. He just desires for us to draw our attention to him. You know, just pray that simple prayer, God, what are we doing here? Invite Him into your situation, in every moment, in every situation, God can use. And He calls us into action with Him. You know, maybe you are struggling and you you struggle with keeping God in focus, but there are practical things that you can do to help you. You know, I was talking about this with my Connect group on, on Monday night and it's just, again... If you're not in a connect group, get connected because it's a great way to journey together and keep each other focused on what God is doing. But I was, talk, I was talking about this whole thing of not being distracted and one of the guys has actually set an alarm on his phone for every hour of the day that he's awake, obviously. I, I think, unless he's having terrible sleep. But, but he set his alarm every hour of the day to remind him to stop and pray to draw his attention back to God. It's a simple thing to do, but what a, what a great plan that he's put in place to keep his eyes fixed on God in every situation, every moment. His alarm goes off and he's at work and he's in the middle of something, he's like, that's right, God's with me and I'm in partnership with him and he can work in this situation. God, what are we doing here? So put a plan in place to keep your eyes on God. Pray, listen, and then act. Look for what God is doing and inviting you into. Again, being intentional about that. To pray, to listen, to act. And work really hard at not getting distracted away. Because God is at work and He is active. He is in your circumstance, He is in your situation and you can be actively looking to see what is God doing in this? God, what are you doing and what are you inviting me into to bring you glory and you honour in this situation? Don't allow your current situation or circumstance to be a distraction that pulls you away from Him because remember who God is. You know, we've sung songs about him this morning. Remember about, about who you are in him because you are invited into relationship. You know, um, Shannon mentioned the, the Ephesians prayer that we prayed and that's I want to put that up again now. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21. What an incredible prayer that we have been praying. I pray that you understand the incredible greatness of, of God's power for us who believe in him. Don't get distracted from that incredible power. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's us. The church is his body. What does the body do? It acts out. Does all the things that the head tells it to do. The body is made full and complete because of Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Again, don't forget who God is. He is that same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God that loves. His love is never-ending and it covers all generation. His, his power splits seas. The words out of his mouth brought about the creation that we see all around us. And it's the same God who spoke words of healing and wholeness became reality. It's the same God who, who sent his son to die on a cross for us. Who himself chose to avoid distraction in those really difficult moments where he could have just put things aside and done it differently. But he wasn't distracted away and he came and he brought healing and he brought life and he brought restoration and forgiveness. Now, Jesus fixed his eyes on God through every circumstance. He ignored every distraction. To eventually stretch out His arms as they were nailed to a cross. To shed His blood as that perfect sacrifice that would cover all sin for all time. So that all of us can be washed clean from all of our unrighteousness, of all of our sins, and be called the sons and daughters of that same God. And it is that God, it is my God, it is your God that is saying to me, that is saying to you, that is saying to us, don't be distracted. Keep your eyes on me and let's work together. He is that same God. Look for what he is doing right now. Don't be distracted, don't lose focus of what he is doing in the midst of every situation that you find yourself in. You know, don't be like those Pharisees that were filled with rage and completely missed the miracle. Don't risk missing seeing him at work because you are too distracted being offended or doubting or looking at the world's perspective of your situation. Or maybe because things aren't happening the way that you think they should. But rather look to God. Be looking for His miracle, be listening for His prompting and His inviting into each and every situation you find yourself in. Pray, God, what are we doing here? You know, I want to be aware of what God is doing. I want us to be aware of what God is doing. You know, let's, let's not be distracted and let's, let's ensure that we're not in that place of just going through the motions, but, but that we walk into every situation looking for God at work. Is anyone with me on that? Yeah? Let's invite God into every moment of every day. When we gather together to come with expectation to see God at work. Not focused on, on things that aren't how we think they should be or, or, or even how we think they should be. Again, distracted by worldly view and worldly circumstance. You know, finance is a massive distraction at the moment, isn't it? We've got interest rates going through the roof. And I think back to what Jesus did. With two fish and five loaves of bread, or was it five loaves of no? What, yes, you know the story. God can use your dollar fifty that you have in your bank account, if that's you. You know, to be in this space of just gathering with expectation to see what God is doing. To not be distracted because, again, we are loved by a God who has unlimited resource. He has unlimited power. Nothing is impossible for Him. So don't get distracted into thinking otherwise. Look to see the miracles as we gather together. Look to, to see the miracles as you journey in life and then tell the story of what God is doing. Don't get distracted away from encouraging each other with those stories, of praying for each other, of joining together to do life. Whether that's in this place or through the week in Connect Groups, be intentional about keeping your eyes fixed on Him. And don't get distracted. Let's stand together and let's pray, hey? Lord God, I just want to thank You today that You invite us into a relationship with You and that You invite us into a space to be at work with You in all that You are doing. You know, I want to thank You, Jesus, again for Your incredible life, the incredible example that you are to all of us. Jesus, I thank you that, that you never doubted the power of God. And you showed that through the incredible healing and access to unlimited resource when it was needed. God, I thank you for your majesty. I thank you for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus. And God, I want to pray for each one of us this morning. I want to pray that we ourselves would not be distracted. That we would keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be a bad distraction for others, but that we would be a good distraction for those around us. That through our actions, that their eyes would be turned to you. God, open our eyes so that we aren't distracted away from the things that you are doing. Open our eyes and our ears to to see and hear you guiding us and leading us. And God, we ask, what are we doing here? Help us to be active for you. Amen. Amen. Now you may be here this morning and and you don't have that personal relationship with God. As you've heard through the different things that have been spoken, the songs that we have sung, God loves you and he wants to restore you into relationship with himself. He sent Jesus who, who died for you to make that possible to stretch out his arms and to take your sin and shame and to replace it with love and grace and wholeness of life. And so if you would like to to accept that invitation, to ask God into your life, if you want to receive that free gift this morning, why don't you just pray with me now? Let's pray again and you can invite him into your life. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you love me thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die to take my sin and my shame so that I could be made whole Jesus I am sorry for my sin I ask for your forgiveness thank you that I am forgiven and I invite you into my life Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, that's awesome. And make sure you, you tell someone, tell uh, the person you came with, come and tell me, come and tell Pastor Neil, and we will help you in the next steps of the incredible decision that you have just made and this journey that you have just begun. We're going we're gonna to sing some more songs with the awesome team here. But as always, if you want prayer, please come to the front. I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'm sure Neil would love to pray with you and our elders are here as well. We'd love to pray. If you need healing, wisdom, direction, refreshing, whatever you need, I'd love to pray uh, with you. but.